Hello, and welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture podcast where we nerd out about biology facts and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. I'm Lindsay, and she's Sarah, and we are marine biologists in recovery, and today we are celebrating the greatest holiday of all, May the 4th, which is tomorrow. May the 4th Um, be with you. (laughs) With season two of The Mandalorian, aka the first two episodes. (laughs) When we started watching Mandalorian mm. season two, we were like, oh, there's so much stuff for nature. Yeah. It'll be so great. We'll do it for May the 4th next year. And then it was like the first two episodes and then nothing else. <laughs> then nothing else, which is fine. Which is totally fine. More than the first then we don't season. Th- yeah. Have to spoil things if people are still concerned about that. I don't know. But yeah, we will. It'll be vaguely spoilery, definitely spoilery for the first season and spoilery mm-hmm. for like the first three ish episodes. But not, we're not really talking about the Mandalorian plot, other than, I if guess... If you want to yeah. hear us talk about the Mandalorian, we can just record our normal conversations. <laughs> yeah, from like, whenever this came out, like four months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked about the Mandalorian a lot, because it's great. If you haven't watched it, I would recommend it. Honestly, mm-hmm. even if you're not that into Star Wars, like if you're into science fiction but don't really care about Star Wars, mm-hmm. I think this is a good situation. Especially season one, because it's yes. got, le- like, season two is a little more lore. Yes. Yeah, totally. But you don't need um, to know it, the lore, before you, don't you watch it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the first episode, he goes to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Everybody, Everybody knows. knows. <laughs> um, and the biggest uh, plot animal in this is the greater... Cryat dragon. Oh yeah, before we get started, as we talked about last time, Mm. we are medium Star Wars fans. Yes. Please do not add us with your random Star Wars knowledge if you feel that we did something wrong. We're getting this information from the internet and from Wikipedia and And from our observations. Yeah, basically we haven't gone too much into depth other than what's in the show and then like looking up like spellings on on the Wikipedia. yeah, I'm not going to talk about all the times that the Greater Cryot Dragon, or whoever it's supposed to be pronounced. I think it's, I think it's just Crate. It might be. Yeah, I'm going to go with Crate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, um, it does show up in previous things, including mm-hmm. New Hope, uh, just a skeleton, and there's lots of oh, things, yeah. things and stuff, but we're going to talk about just episode one of yeah. season two. So. Indeed. Indeed. So yeah, the Greater Crate Dragon is this like thing that lives in the sand. It's gigantic. And mm. burrows in the sand and eats Everything. and Tusken Raiders and really <laughs> anything it can get in its mouth. And a sarlacc, because it lives in a sarlacc pit. So mm, and we yeah. don't, I personally mm. don't know the size of a sarlacc. It also had a big head. Very large. When we saw it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think these crate dragons are, but they were bigger than Mando thought they were going to be. <laughs> yes, definitely. Which, like when, it's, when they say he ate a sarlacc, I was mm-hmm. like... Well, then he has to be really big because yeah. Sarlaccs are really big. So Indeed. I don't know. One thing I thought was really cool was like they talked to the Tuscan Raiders who are maybe indigenous to mm. the planet. It's hard I to know. I believe so. Yeah, I don't know. Or they've been there a lot longer than the mm-hmm. the humany people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so like they use the like traditional indigenous knowledge of the Tuscan people to understand more about the behavior and stuff. It mm-hmm. turned out to be kind of wrong because at, in like the thing they went for the um, the raider instead of the bantha, but that was because of motion, not because of yeah, incomplete understanding of the behavior, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like they knew what worked to survive, and yeah, like, exactly, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because like all of us, this, mm-hmm. this entire show is very cowboy 
very movie themed. And mm-hmm. this one was just another one of like teaming up with the local sheriff yep. and the indigenous people who were are like not welcomed in the town or village and then they have to all team up anyway, the village yeah. people and the indigenous people and they all come together to fight off a great evil, whatever it might be. And the mysterious stranger helps them and then he mm. goes away. <laughs> So good. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's lots of like small, you know, obviously worms and small snakes and things that live in sand on Earth. But I was trying to find like big things that live in the sand. And the biggest things I could find were the current largest or the longest tunnels dug by mammals are dug by wombats, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. And prehistorically, these giant, impressive, like massive tunnels were dug by ancient sloths. Like, oh. people could walk in them. Tunnels. What? Yeah. There's a link in the show notes. Um, it's, like, there's people standing in these tunnels, and they think they were d- dug by um, giant ground sloths. They're really, really cool. As we talked about in Ice Age, mm-hmm. giant sloths uh, were way more giant than you would expect them to be. Yes. Like, terrifyingly giant. Like, elephant plus. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool that they dug tunnels. Yeah, but it seems like the crate dragon maybe do- they don't dig their own tunnels, like they're um, like nest parasites, so they take over the tunnel of the yeah. lack. Or maybe that's just this. Maybe just this one. It also yeah. moves really fast through the sand when it was like coming to right. I forgot about that part for attack a sec. people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's interesting, yeah. like its motivation. Like, why did it come in? Like, didn't it, I'm sure it passed many banthas on the way mm-hmm. to come through the main part of the town. Yeah, well, it makes me think a lot about, like, Dune, and so maybe whatever mm. they were doing in the town, like, the mining and the noise was bothering yeah. them, so that drew them mm-hmm. in. Um, mm-hmm. Very Dune. Lindsay has a question. Why does it have horns when it lives in the sand? I was thinking the horns were, like, for digging through the sand. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's got all sorts of... It looks... It's a very dragony head. At one point, it looks also like Audrey, too. Um, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little shop of horrors. Yeah, um so it has all of that uh, protective stuff around its head and yeah. i guess a little bit on its stuff and then the belly is a soft spot very small smog smog like um although that was just armor that he stole from the troll the dwarves <laughs> yeah so i don't really know like it seems like it has a lot of protectiveness like it's got the horns it's got yeah. this acid stuff that it sprays which doesn't it doesn't seem to paralyze anybody it just makes it gross so yeah. it's not like a this is how i kill my prey unless it's like a delayed thing like maybe um, komodo dragons will mm-hmm. bite or like yeah, slightly injure animals and then the bacteria they get a massive bat- bacterial infection and so the komodo dragon will just like follow them for days mm. until they yeah until their prey succumbs to this bacterial infection yeah like mando still has it on him in the beginning of the second episode but that could have oh. been just his, uh beskar protecting him Yes, you know, true. Like it's like yeah. vibranium. It's mm-hmm. very it protects against whatever you needed to protect. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. And then at the end, when he kills him, it's very uh, jaws jaws like. And then also he goes in the mouth and blows him up, and then everyone thinks he's dead, and he comes back. And I was trying to think because it seems so familiar to me. So there's Hercules, Disney's Hercules, who oh, does that. Yeah, and it's very similar to like Indiana Jones in. Mm-hmm. the third one falling off the cliff and everybody thinks it's dead and then it comes like it's like yeah it's like such a, a trope hero trope yeah, yeah. And i'm like i'm sure there's other ones that i just can't think of yeah the hero sacrifices themselves 
and then magically they turn out fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very Jaws. It's very smile, you son of a bitch. I'll blow you up from the insides. So good. Yeah, I liked this episode a lot. It was a good like return to Ugh. adventure. Plus Timothy Oliphant. So, oh, so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of Banthas in this. And again, mm-hmm. Banthas are in like a ton of Star Wars, especially anything that's in Tatooine. Mm-hmm. There's lots of stuff um, that you can read about on their Wikipedia page. But I did see in this one, one of the Tusken Raiders was brushing the Banthas' teeth, which I thought Aww. was adorable and made so me cute. think of sea otters that live in captivity. Oh, yeah. Because they have to... Because their dental decay is like a huge reason of death for mm-hmm. sea otters, just, just the way that they are. And we actually compared sea otters to Wookiees last oh, year, yeah. last year's Star Wars episode. So <laughs> so fun. It's like, yeah, um, banthas who are yeah domesticated banthas. Yeah, yeah, need to have their teeth brushed by their owners. Oh, so cute. Yeah, because maybe they're not eating like the same variety of mm-hmm. food that would naturally clean their teeth, or also they want them to live longer. So they yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was cute. Um, we didn't actually talk about banthas last year, but. There's there's a lot of stuff and maybe we'll save it for next year. Who knows? Mm. Maybe there'll be. I more don't know. Bandas. I think the what's coming out next December is also on Tatooine. I'm not going to say anything else in case so I don't spoil all of season two for you. But there probably yeah. will be badness. Yeah. Who knows? I have no idea. Yeah. So then. Right away, in the next episode, we get the frog lady. Yeah, yeah, this is when we were like, we can do the entire season. There's so yeah. much stuff. <laughs> um, she's very cute and very smart. And yeah, she like has laid her or is like in the process of laying her eggs. And then because they are like an interstellar species, she has to travel to another planet to find her husband to, so he can fertilize the eggs. Yeah, so she like, she goes with Mando and the child to their planet or not even, it's not even their planet. It's just like some other planet. Mm-hmm. where they live to yeah to raise or to get her eggs fertilized by her husband and then raise their little little baby frogs um yeah yeah so cute um so she doesn't have a species name Mm-mm. it's um yet maybe they'll come back and but she's got a frog head it's very um muppety jim henson creature muppetness and she speaks a different language which has nothing to do with her being a frog probably yeah she just doesn't speak Star exactly. Wars English. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, she has gills. Mm-hmm. Which is, and then at one point she takes a warm bath on the planet. <laughs> like a hot spring with her eggs. Yeah. So I guess would assume that they're cold-blooded. Yeah, either she's cold-blooded. I don't... Did she put... Oh, yeah. She put the eggs in the, mm-hmm, bath. In the bath. I thought she was laying more eggs, but I think she just dumped her, her backpack of eggs in the bath with her. So I don't know. Yeah. The amount of eggs changes rapidly. Yes. It is unclear. For... And not just because uh, the baby is the baby. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. Um, which is my one of my points. There was a huge uproar on Twitter um, after this episode came out about Baby Yoda being bad because mm. he was eating all the eggs of an endangered species, which is not yeah. true. She says specifically that her line will die yeah. uh, if they don't get fertilized. So it's her family. It's not the species. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, he's not great. and But that could just be that he's a toddler. Exactly. Or he's just not getting fed enough. Yeah. Um, because he also eats a bunch of other stuff. But also, like, frogs lay a ton of eggs. Yep. Yeah. A ton of eggs. Not expecting them all to hatch. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, that'll come up again later when we talk about parental care in um, 
poison dart frogs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, she didn't seem like she was protective of the eggs as a whole, but she wasn't mm-hmm. precious about the individual eggs because yeah, exactly. they're just eggs at that point. Mm-hmm. It's exactly, the example would be when the amount of eggs that Marlin and Coral lay, mm-hmm. and then they have one that has survived. Yeah. And because the other ones are eaten, and then yes. the line continues. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I tried to find any earth animals that carry around unfertilized eggs and move them around. I'm sure they, I'm sure it exists. Um, I know, for example, salmon, they don't really move them, but they will like lay them in a certain place and sort of like clear a good spot for them and all that for mm-hmm. getting them external, um, getting them fertilized and like stuck somewhere safely. Um, but it could also just be a solution for an interstellar species. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they wanted to not have the women tied to the, planet so they invented these cool backpacks Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and it's not like we don't see the fertilization because that's Mm -hmm. unnecessary indeed um but or her how she lays the eggs so it's just like and it's it's external fertilization but with a mate yeah it's not like random fertilization like something like salmon where you lay your eggs and then you leave yeah Yeah. it seems like they have like a pretty like strong culture as well as Mm -hmm. this sort of biological process which like so do we obviously. Yeah. Um, so it did make me think though about poison dart frogs. So poison dart frogs are like the little teeny tiny frogs, usually pretty teeny, um, mostly in like Central and South America and they live in rainforests. They're very cute. And um, poison dart frog fathers will actually, the eggs will get laid and fertilized in sort of like moist leaf litter um, at the, on the ground. And then the fathers will like get the, put the little baby tadpoles on their back I, don't really know. I think the tadpoles kind of just like swim up there. They like scoop them on. Mm. Um, they stick with like uh, mu- mucus and then the father will carry them up higher into the canopy and place them in the cups of bromeliads and other um, epiphytic or like plants that live on trees because um, it's a lot safer in those. Uh, it's really cute. You see that like I used to look after poison dart frogs and you'd see the little frogs with like little black spots on them. They're so because they're no. that's their babies. Yeah, um, they're babies. And then the moms will come by and lay more eggs in the water like unfertilized eggs as like an extra food source in addition to like whatever bugs or stuff might be in there those frogs are smart super smart yeah like lots of frogs don't do any parental care like the females lay the eggs the males fertilize them and then they like i don't know go away yeah do frog things Mm -hmm. go be frogs yeah play the banjo basically um yeah so then in in the third episode we do see Mm -hmm. them again and they have hatched one of their offspring and it is tadpole already and already has at least some of the back legs, if not maybe the front legs, uh, which she does use. We didn't talk about it when oh, yeah. they are in danger from the next animal we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. She does use her front uh, limbs to jump and to get away faster. So she's like, they've just adapted to be yeah, bipedal. Yeah, they're like socially bipedal, but still yeah. can run on four legs, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. So like they do have to grow to be a uh, large human size. So I guess their metamorphosis is pretty quick, which yeah. is fine. Or Mando was gone for longer than we think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was very long, but I didn't really pay attention to the other part because it was late. Yeah, exactly. We were just watching for the animals and uh, cool biology stuff. Yeah, I'm not too sure. But, I mean, frogs do grow pretty quickly. Like, I don't know, like, in terms of egg hatching can take, like, an indeterminate amount of time, like, or, a, you know, very, mm-hmm. variable amount of time. But, like, they will start, they will start popping legs pretty quick um just depends and then they turn into little froglets where they're still in the water 
but they have their tadpole yeah. tail and they have legs yeah. and they're oh i miss baby frogs i used to look Aww. after a lot of frogs <laughs> how long does it take for them to hatch after they're fertilized because that would also happen it just very de- yeah it just depends um i don't know like it's it's definitely more than a couple days it's gonna be like weeks to months in the third episode they like yeah. the they find the husband mm-hmm. they go off screen mando does they like go to eat mm-hmm. lunch and then they come back and he's like i need you to take the baby and then one of them hatches so yeah no it, it definitely is too fast but it's not yeah they got lots of growing to do they don't even have time for like all of that sperm to get in everywhere yeah, no, it's it's an, it would be in the order of like weeks to months, not hours to days. <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So the last one is the knobby white. I can talk. Knobby white ice spider uh, on that snowy planet, um, and they were creepy, oh, but also terrifying. very um, very Lord of the Ringsy and slash Harry Potter. It was. Yeah, definitely. That was the first thing I wrote down was Shiva Baragog. Yeah. yeah. But then when you look at more of them, they kind of look like squids. They have very squid heads. Yeah. Yeah, they're very squid heads. Yeah. Um, so they have so like... opposed to Aragog and Shiva, which are yeah. rounder. Yeah, no, they have spider bodies and then, yeah, mm-hmm. and then their head is very um, cephalopod. Cephalopod. Yeah. Yeah. Cause That's got the technical term. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've got a big beak at the bottom, mm-hmm. um, like where the mouth is, which is... like totally normal for all cephalopods and kind of eyes like squids um and then they also like squirt stuff spray when they're attacked yeah but then they also build webs super quickly super fast like yeah not yeah too fast too fast but also spiders are not usually that big so who knows exactly yeah that was the other thing the size differentiation Mm -hmm. is uh ridiculous like there was a bunch of eggs which yeah. hatched all at the same time as soon as they were on un- one was under threat which yeah. is a little strange yeah very um, coincidental and, yeah <laughs> there was tons of them which mm-hmm. is totally fine it makes tracks but then the mm-hmm. then there was like medium-sized ones and then there was a big one and then there was a real big one which i decided was the mom because that makes more sense yeah i was uh, it was definitely like a different age thing rather than different mm. individuals mm-hmm. and like maybe yeah. the like really big ones but not the biggest one were like other full-grown ones just not like the main matriarch yeah maybe maybe yeah 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 it just they grow um, so yeah big. well in spiders like unlike um lots of other arthropods do sort of direct so like a teeny tiny baby spider is basically identical in body plan mm. and body shape and stuff to mm-hmm. a full-grown spider with the exception of probably not having all of its like gonad reproductive stuff done. Um, but they are just miniature, miniature adult spiders. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense. It was more the, all the in-between sizes were the ones that didn't really make sense as mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all fully in predatory actions like even the just born ones were still like building webs and shooting things and yeah i mean spiders don't really learn much but you'd think that spiders that big would have some learning to do or like yeah or just like like they haven't eat like they're getting whatever nutrients from their egg but they've never eaten anything so where is that stuff coming from Mm -hmm. but um on earth usually cold places don't have spiders but there's at least 54 speeders 54 oh my gosh we're recording this in the morning um yes. at least 54 <laughs> species of spiders are winter active in central southern Ooh. canada uh this was written by somebody that, at the department of entomology at the university of manitoba yes with juveniles and adult stages overwintering 
there are more spiders active in the winter in snowy places than you would otherwise think. There are um, spiders that will like crawl on the snow and be around in the snow. Probably not when it's like minus 40, like they might find somewhere a little bit warmer to hang out. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there there are spiders that can live through below zero temperatures, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never really thought about it because... I don't see a lot of spiders outside because I don't go looking for them. <laughs> and yeah. there are spiders in my apartment always. Yeah. Because I let them be here. Indeed. I like spiders. Yeah. They don't, they're not causing any problems. Um, yeah. So spiders can overwinter by like laying their eggs and sort of the eggs can be in a more dormant state um, mm-hmm. or they can also yeah, like make sense. burrows and nests underground. Um, cool. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I love spiders. But yeah, this this episode was creepy and scary. Even when I knew how it turned out. I know. That was I was like like crunching up, like waiting for the real big one to come and I'm like, ah. Yeah, and I knew oh, so good. So good. Highly recommend. Yeah. Um yeah. Well I think that's about the end of our Star Wars Mandalorian biology. Um mm-hmm. if you have other Star Wars biology things that we should talk about, let us know. You can find us on social media at Nature Finds a Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can check out our website, naturefindsapod.com. While you're there, you might as well subscribe to our podcast. We will be back in two weeks with the return of the year of Matt Damon, as I promised. And we will finally, it's crazy that we haven't watched, done this yet, hmm. we will finally be watching The Martian. Yay! Uh, yay! So be prepared for a lot of talk about real Mars, mm-hmm. a lot of talk about Matt Damon. <laughs> Lots of rover feelings. Oh, and probably some Sebastian Stan love. Oh, yeah. That's the current uh, topic of conversation in our lives. Yeah. And it, yeah, we'll be mostly talking about the movie because it's like more approachable, but we've also read the book. So, you know, if you feel like rereading the book, uh, go for it. <laughs> it's a good time to learn things about Mars. And in the meantime, stay, stay science, science, science friends. friends. Bye. <laughs>